1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I'm your host and resident panelist as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Well, there's some stuff going on around the world, huh? Not really a lane that I want to hang out in, but Tom Brady and Giselle, I guess, are kind of maybe thinking about hanging it up. You know, the the only real reason why I even want to touch on it is because... <laughs> I can't help but feel like the Packers had something to do with this. Slash, this is Mike Evans' fault. Now, I know this has probably been brewing a long time. Supposedly, she was real mad going all the way back to him deciding to go back and play. Or it's like, all right, you finally done now? He's like, yeah, yeah, all right, I'll be done. I'll be done. I'm finally done. She's like, good, because I literally can't handle any more of this. You're old. We are old. Which, granted, I mean, most normal human beings work until they're at least 55. So chill out, Giselle. But anyways... That's their deal, right? I'm sure it's super stressful and all that. And then he's like, you know what? Nah, never mind. I'm going back. And that causes a serious problem. But then, then he says, here's the compromise. I'm giving my family Wednesday. They get Wednesday no matter what. His words, I was going to say literally or specifically or verbatim, but I don't actually know verbatim. But his words were that they've at least earned that much that I give them Wednesdays to hang out with my family. Mike Evans gets suspended, all his receivers get hurt, and he's like, you know what, forget their Wednesdays, I need to go in and practice with these new guys. And (laughs) a week later, yeah. Now, it's entirely possible also that him going in on Wednesday was kind of the first sign that Maybe there's not a family to go home to, but I like to think of it the other way. And no, I don't. Why would I say that? I don't want to think the Packers ruined his family. That's, that's, that's super mean. Shouldn't have touched it. Should have just stayed away from it. I, I Follow your instincts. Anyways, um, also saw, what, Elon's back to the Twitter thing? We're doing that again? That's the that's thing again? Okay. There's that. Thirdly in the news, I think it's thirdly, uh, Packers signed veteran linebacker Eric Wilson. And I was trying to think for the life of me, how do I know that name so, so, so well? It's because he was a Viking. In fact, I talked kind of a lot about Eric Wilson because he was the guy that I referenced when I said they drafted a replacement linebacker. Remember, they had two guys that they really, really, really liked, but then there was Eric Wilson, and he was kind of next man up, but you can't afford to pay him and pay the other two guys, Kendricks and Barr. They decided to let Wilson go. And pay Hendricks Barr, and so they went that direction. Um, but he was he was fine. I mean, he's he's got a lot of experience, which is the best part about Eric Wilson. Uh, he's a 2017 undrafted free agent out of Cincinnati. Spent three years with Minnesota in 2020. He actually played a thousand and thirty four snaps. His grades over his three years in Minnesota: sixty two, sixty six, and fifty three. His best asset among run defense, coverage, and pass rush has been pass rush. When I talked about um, how disappointing it is that Quay Walker has had very little success with pass rush and how he has one pressure on, I don't even remember how many. Um, Eric Wilson, blanked out, I was like, what the heck is this guy's name? Eric Wilson had seven attempts last year with two different teams, and he had two pressures on seven attempts. In 2019, he had 13 attempts, five pressures, and two sacks, right? So that's what I'm saying about... Linebackers and, and having more success than uh, than Quay and the Packers are having. Now I'm sure it's a different situation. I've seen a lot of Quay's reps. There's not a lot of hey. There's a giant gap there. Run through it and sack the quarterback. He's kind of just replacing people and just taking on one-on-one opportunities with line, with uh, offensive linemen. But point is, that's kind of been his bread and butter. Uh, biggest weakness. Run defense. Six-one, two hundred thirty pounds. Smaller guy, and as many people have pointed out, yes, he's very athletic, just like the Packers like. He's got four-five-three forty time, which is a nine-four-eight on the RAS. He has an overall RAS of nine-point-three-six. That's athleticism out of ten, basically. And honestly, the only dings against him are his height and weight <laughs> at six-one-two thirty. But forty time, twenty split, ten split, bench, vertical, broad, shuttle, and three cone are all relatively high. However, with our top two linebackers pretty well locked up, I think everybody's biggest question is, okay, what about special teams? Well, I'm so glad you asked. 2017, 337 snaps on special teams, which is a lot. That means he is a full-time special teamer. 90.2 overall grade. 2018, 79 overall grade. 2019, 70 overall grade. 2020, 90 overall grade. I don't know what he's doing out there, but PFF freaking loves this guy. Now, this past year, two different teams, Houston and Philly, um, 161 attempts, which is a lot. Only a 59.5 overall grade, which is not the best. But um, dude is, he he is wildly experienced. He has played a ton of linebacker. He has played a ton of special teams and he does everything. Um, kick return, 251 um, total snaps as on kick return unit in his career, 266 on kick coverage, 231 on punt return, 300 on punt coverage, and 142 on the field goal block unit. Think about that. Punt coverage, 300 times he's run down the field and tried to tackle that guy. 300 times. That's a lot of times. <laughs> so this guy is, um, he's 28 years old. He's been around. He's got a lot of experience. He is a premier special teamer. I mean, we're talking two out of his four years in Minnesota. He was one of the best special teamers in all of football. In fact, let's, let's put that to the test. 2020, Eric Wilson was tied for the eighth best special teamer. And you got to realize this is out of thousands of human beings that play special teams. In 2017, fourth best special teamer in the NFL. So, yeah, I mean, it, you know, we talk about Rudy Ford. We talk about a lot of these guys. They're doing a good job. They have never graded out like this. We've never had a guy that's been like a top 10 special teamer in the NFL ever on this team. All the guys that we brought over are career special teamers that are, you know, good at certain things that the Packers need that they don't have and all that stuff. This dude, this is, this is different. So I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know how... And again, this past year, he wasn't all that spectacular, but man, i tell you what, I don't know how a guy like this just floats around. I'm I'm, I'm guessing it's most teams doing what the Packers usually do, which is that's cute that you can do special teams, but we need you to be a linebacker. Um, And he wasn't super great at it, so they let him... I I don't know. I don't know. But I'm glad he's here. I know that. I liked him when he was in Minnesota. I was sitting here saying, I can't believe they got rid of the young guy and and to keep two old guys that are going to be gone soon, one of which is already gone. Um. But he's a Packer now, and I hope he ends up playing and getting put on special teams. would be nice and doing a great job. That would be spectacular. He has 19 career tackles on special teams, too, which is a lot. And 19 solo tackles, 9 assisted tackles. So we're talking 28 tackles, 10 misses, but, you know, freaking worry about it. Actually, interestingly enough, the year that he was down to a 70 overall grade... He had six misses. Imagine what his grade would be. I mean, that's that's a 70 with six missed tackles. He had more misses than tackles. And they're still like, no, dude, this guy's this guy's freaking good. Ah, okay. I'm I'm here for it. I'm all for it. I'm excited. I'm ready to go. But baby steps, he's gotta, you know, we'll see. We'll see how we'll see how she goes. Um Aaron Rodgers was on the Pat McAfee show. Said some stuff. One of the things he said, breaking news. Maybe you knew this. I didn't know this. Rod Marinelli, brilliant defensive-minded guy, father-in-law of our defensive coordinator. Now, I got a weird brain, man. You know, I'm sitting here thinking, I know the world isn't that small. So I'm going one of two ways with this. Another one I probably shouldn't touch, but let's just go with this. Either Joe Barry, Rod Marinelli are at some defensive genius Wizardry class, Rod brings his daughter along because I don't know she wanted to take your daughter to work day. I don't know, and um Joe Barry's taking notice and they start talking and they get each other's phone number. I don't know, maybe you know rod is is taking a liking to young Joe Barry and invites him over to the house to learn about some x's and o's and uh a conversation strikes up among the the whatever. That's one, that's one thing. I think I'm following her on Twitter right now, but I'm not positive. Just in case. Four kids it looks like they have. The other, you know, conspiracy theory thing that you could maybe float out there. You know, maybe Chris is, uh, or not Chris, Chris is the the young lady. Maybe Joe, you know, is a hard-working coach in the world. He's Not getting a lot of traction working his way up the ladder and, you know... He sees a path to maybe getting a few jobs. <laughs> so many people that are so mad. I'm I'm kidding, all right? Just relax. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Trade in, his, uh, trade in his wiki thing here, which, you know, I guess I didn't read it. But there you go, breaking news. Beyond that, there's a lot of little things here. He says the best catch of the day was the catch by Elton Jenkins. Nobody's talking about. Not going to play that, but uh, I thought that was kind of funny. Um, talked a little bit about Randall Cobb. Um, The first question was, you know, is he playing at a high level? And he kind of just shrugged it off. And that's when he brought up the Elton Jenkins thing. I don't mean that in a negative way. I'm sure he's happy, but, you know, it's just a thing. But the question he really liked about Randall Cobb was this, and so I'm going to play it in its entirety.
0: <laughs> Jeez. Huh. Hey, how valuable is it to have a guy like Randall that knows, he knows, like, all the little things, like, the attention to detail you want on all these routes. He's there all all spring, all summer. Like, he can explain to dudes, like, hey, no, that you need to run that thing at 11, not 12. Like, he can give those guys so much knowledge like I would imagine having that for you is a huge like weight off of you too. Yeah, finally AJ, you make a great point. That a baby yeah. AJ. There yeah. we go. Have that, fun to and me, that to me is as big of a role uh, for him as anything. It's to be able to translate the way that I play and the expectation to the young guys when I'm not in that room. It's I'm telling you, it is the most important quality. Possibly that he adds to our football team. Obviously, he's still an explosive player. He can still run great routes. He's still, you he watch the tape back, he's getting open consistently. Um, but his ability to be that voice in the room, along with Allen, the two oldest guys in the room that played the longest, Kabi obviously much longer than Allen, to be able to explain the little intricacies of plays is priceless, I promise you. And, then, and to rely on Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs, a couple of young guys. And have that voice in the room, man. It's
1: it, it, it's gold right there. That is gold. Um. Shortly thereafter, talking about Romeo Dobbs, there isn't like a larger theme, but here's everything he had to say about Romeo Dobbs. I think there's a lot of good points within the whole the whole thing here, just as far as insights into Romeo.
0: Well, I think it's part of all of that. I mean, a big part is he's going to be out there, so there's no choice but to go to him in certain situations. <laughs> Uh, he runs some routes better than others. He's learning. You know, we still got to get him to be a better intermediate route runner. He does a nice job on the deep balls, stacking and, and creating separation. Obviously, you know, he's in tune with the back shoulder if that's necessary. He hit, You know, had one in preseason and had some in training camp. Uh, the best part is before that play, I looked over him and made a check. Now, it wasn't a, it wasn't a real easy one thankfully i've made the same check to him in one-on-one drills during training camp here we go and this is when i talk about it a lot the ability to recall things that happen from practice and be able to in a snap execute them in a the game is one of the most important qualities in earning trust from myself and the offense and getting the ball thrown your way so before the snap i made uh kind of an arbitrary semi vague unless vague unless you understand the entire nature of what I'm doing and he whether he did this subconsciously or whether he was expecting this he had gotten that check before ran the appropriate route and the ball obviously was in a decent spot made a beautiful hands catch and that's a it's a fun play to go back and and, and law the guy like that for his ability to recall uh, what I want in that situation and, the, and then to go execute. Now, as far as the other one, which was would have been a really special one to go up thirty-one twenty-four there, that's a big learning process for him. There's no reason for him not to, to take a hand off the ball. You know, turn your body, double wrap it, whatever you got to do, you're in the end zone to secure the catch to the ground. Did I think that was a catch? Obviously, right away I did until Matt Judon would stand next to me and goes, oh, he dropped it. <laughs> I, was, I was about to be celebrated with Elton and Dave and the guys. Um, but that's a learning experience for him because that that's a play that needs to be made. He runs a great route, the ball, you know, maybe slightly underthrown, but... But in a spot we can catch it and put the and secure it and we need him to to finish that playoff. He had a nice game. That would have been a spectacular game, finish that one to the ground.
1: So a lot of a lot of talk in there. But again, I think it's all I mean, these are all the things we speculate on. And and we talk about it and talk about it, but this is the way it is. So rather than speculating and guessing from now on, there's some concrete information. Um I, I really appreciated his what he said about the the intermediate route running, because I think that's a thing for him as well as Christian. Although for Christian, I think it's any amount of route running. I think they have issues with, you know, I mean, again, I, I can show you clip after clip after clip after clip of him running past people. But that's not really route running. That's just, that's, that's a foot race. And you can almost kind of see it, right? Even when you look at it and say he's open on this route, when Rodgers is first looking and he gets to the top of his hitch, it's not at a point, I mean, it's not that he couldn't throw it, but you look at where he is in his route and it's, you know, you should be breaking right now. You should be at a place where Rodgers can see, okay, this is where he is. He's doing the right thing. He's got his guy beat. So so the timing is not where it needs to be. You know, and, and these things are so intricate, the depth at which you do things, what exact angle you're supposed to take. And that changes based on the, you know, what you're seeing, whether the safety's here or there, or man coverage, zone coverage, et cetera, et cetera. Everything's changes. But... You're starting to see that little bit of growth, especially from Romeo Dobbs, where they're starting to target him on the intermediate routes. Whether or not he's breaking exactly when he's supposed to, or whatever the case may be, he's saying they still got to work on that. Um, and, and again, I like the insight because it points to Christian, even though they're not talking about Christian. He's fully capable of running. You know, like if this was Madden and you could control him and get him to do, a, he can physically do everything. And at a very high level with the speed and everything that he has, He, if he could get it, He's going to just blow the doors off. But obviously, he's having some serious struggles. And and again, he didn't have training camp. You talk about Aaron Rodgers and Romeo Dobbs and how they've gone through these things, and they've had the ability to see and correct him throughout this whole process. And Christian, pretty much his first action is week one. And so they have to get him involved, but they know that he's not really able to do much other than I mean, again, I'm convinced he's a great blocker. I'm, I'm actually stunned at that. I think he's significantly better than Romeo Dobbs. Is. He's very willing. Um, even you know when the play is away from him, you can kind of see Romeo and maybe some of the other guys kind of just like, eh, whatever. Christian is he's all up in there. He's up in the dude's face, and I think he does a great job. I was just watching this last game; he did it again. But you know, it's it's a matter of what can we trust him to do, and it's you know we got him out there blocking. We've got him you know stretching out the defense, whether it's laterally or vertically. And then we got him on the jet sweeps and stuff because they're easy completions, easy yards. But as far as route running, you know, this last game I watched maybe two or three routes he ran the whole game. I mean, like legitimate, he's a he's a potential target on this play. The first, I mean, the second play he was in, he ran a route. And I'm convinced it was going to be another shot to Christian Watt. And yes, he had him beat because he always has him beat. But again, pressure got home, Elton Jenkins got whooped, and, you know, ball couldn't get there. The other one, obviously, we saw it was a very weird, again, I don't know what Christian was doing and Rodgers already took the blame for it. But anyways, again, I like the insight from Rodgers and even the nuance on on how, you know, you look at it and go, it's a simple back shoulder. It's not. First of all, that wasn't, that's not the play call. Second of all, he said it was a very complex check, complex in terms of it's, you you. In order for you to do what I'm telling you to do correctly, you have to understand the full concept here. And then he talked, to, you know, he talked about it in a previous interview after the game, I think, where where he said, you know, this isn't just a back shoulder where you kind of just jog up there and then try to turn around and catch it. You have to try to win up top, and you have to basically win up top. Then you come back. For, I mean, you know, it's 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 all these little tiny things that when you look at it and go, why don't you put Christian out there? It's because it's like, man, this is <laughs> this is. This is Ph.D. level stuff right here, and uh, it's going to take some time. And, and you know, great job by Romeo for at least grasping it enough to make some impact. But that, but again, that's what's so exciting about Romeo and Christian is we are so just barely scratching the surface, and it kind of stinks that Rogers isn't going to be around much longer because you feel like, man, if Rogers was the quarterback in like two, three years, if these guys are reaching their full potential, you know, by let's say next year, two years from now man could be some good stuff there but I don't know if that's gonna happen um, here is immediately after that I wanted to stop because it's been going on for a long time and kind of get my thoughts but I really like this as well because he's you know uh, Pat McAfee's like so you, you actually like Romeo and he's like I like both of them actually
0: he's gonna be a guy though it sounds like and you think that too that's why you're saying this stuff you're saying I can't wait to watch the evolution I think both guys can be can be dudes you know uh, what, do you, what do you like to call Guys who are dudes, dogs. Yeah, I think I think both guys can be can be that kind of player. It's gonna it's gonna be uh, how does their confidence progress? How many plays can they lock and, and anchor into their mind for those places to go back to and think about when you know, they've had maybe a stretch where they haven't played their best ball, or maybe they need some inspiration. Uh, how many memories can they lock into their brain that they can easily access in the moment? And then how, how do they work on their craft? You know, it'll be big jumps, opportunities for them between year years one and two, and two and three especially, that we see from a lot of young players. But I think they both have opportunities to be really, really good players in
1: the league. Dogs. Dogs. Um, yeah, and, and again, that's, that's the hard part. What he was talking about is the jump from year one to year two, and especially year two to year three is supposedly the, the biggest jump. We don't always see that. And I think the problem is a lot of us have Justin Jefferson syndrome. We see this guy come in as a rookie and tear it up. You know, Jamar Chase comes into the league, one of the best wide receivers in football. And so you look at Christian Watson, you go, this guy sucks, right? As if we haven't seen the evolution of Rashawn Gary, you know? The, you know, evolution of Kenny Clark, the evolution of Aaron Rodgers, of Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard, Dylan. Most of the guys we really like didn't just drop out of the sky great football players. But again, it sucks that Rodgers might not be a part of that. But um, anyways, he elaborates a little bit on uh, Christian Watson. Here is, let me turn this up a little bit. Here's what he says about uh, Christian. Look,
0: I tell you, he's got special speed. He really does. He's got incredible stride length. When you watch the film back, it's similar to watching Devontae, his rookie year. There were games where I didn't give Devontae a ton of looks. You go back and watch the film, you're thinking, man, this guy is open often, you know,
1: and it's like pause. I'm sorry. What did he say? <laughs> you go back and watch the film and you go, man, he's open a lot. That's weird. I feel like I've heard that before.
0: Yeah. From time to time with Christian, there's a few routes. I mean, not as much as Devonte. I just think Devonte was a little more polished route runner as a rookie, but, but there's a few times where I might need to give him a second look, uh, even when things don't look great from the start, because he does have the, first of all,
1: <laughs> He ran like four routes in this game, so um he doesn't... I mean, it, when you take away the times that he's more or less a decoy, the times that he's running, you know, motion-type stuff, and the times that he's blocking out on the field, he's not actually running a ton of routes, and most of the time he's just screaming down the field, whether it's, you know, actually just a go route or, or something to that effect, whether, you know, different variations of get down the field really fast, you know? Um but, yeah, I mean, if he, if he's saying he's open a bunch but not as much as Devontae, I, I guess Devontae was open 100% of the time because he's not even getting a lot of opportunities. And, yeah, he's he is indeed open. That different type of speed. Uh, but we,
0: we're we finding ways to
1: use him. I think, again, we've
0: got to have patience. It is interesting, Ty, to think about we had 440-something yards of offense and we scored 27 points and we had a nice second half. Uh, I wouldn't say there's a ton of problems to fix with the offense. We were running the heck out of the ball. True. Jonesy had a Yeah, but at the beginning, dude, at the beginning, people
1: watch the first five minutes and then they're out. A you
0: know? quarter game. Yeah.
1: It's a four-quarter game. So- there you go. We'll end on that. It's a four-quarter game. Um, I, 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 again, the, the thing I really like about the wide receiver situation is everything we're seeing and saying, they're seeing it. So even though some of us, not all of us, would love to just push the rookies to the forefront. At the very least, it's not a matter of them going, I don't know, man, this guy just doesn't have it. Or, you know, we're having troubles or they're not understanding. Rogers is coming out. First of all, he's been all over the Dobbs strain since day one. And so, you know, we saw the gradual progression of slowly getting him more opportunities. And then it was in week three when he finally got thrust into the position he was in and he capitalized on that situation. This past week was very similar. Unfortunately, there were two big issues, whereas one could have turned into a reception for several yards, the other one a very large reception for a touchdown, could have put him to the forefront among rookie-wide receivers, put him in the offensive rookie of the year conversation. Instead, he drops one, fumbles one. But the point is, they see it, they're telling us they see it, and, and they're moving forward. And now we're hearing again with Rodgers talking about Watson and, and saying, you know, number one, I think he can be special. Number two, his speed is ridiculous. Which it is, and I've, I've I've told you I'm I don't know how to gauge speed. It's really hard with Christian. Not hard. It's just not. Even even when he was in college, I was like I don't I don't know how to gauge this. You know, especially since it's a small school. I mean, would he be running by guys if he was playing Alabama right now? You know, but you see him in the NFL, just just fly past people. And it's like okay, yep, nope, he's fast. I get it. I got it. Understood every single time. And you see Dobbs. Dobbs is quick. But the couple times they've tried to take shots, I mean, there was that touchdown shot, but there's been a couple other times where, you know, the defenders even in front of them a little bit. That does not happen with Watson. And and again, having Roger say, you know, we might have to take a second look, because I know that's not his his primary thought is to go to Watson. But again, you've had a couple of weeks of going back and looking at it, go, dang, dude. And and you gotta understand too, I don't know that he's had a guy like this. I don't want to say ever because Jordy had some some real good deep speed. I don't think MVS had had this level of speed, to be honest. I know he's fast, but I don't think it was quite like this. But I think you just kind of understand that generally guys aren't going to be open down there, you know? Even the funny thing is, there was a play this past week to... uh, And I'm not saying he should have gone to Watson or anything like that, but it's just kind of funny. There have been several times his job is to just draw attention away. It's not even to get open, but he does. He gets behind the corner and the safety. And I think those are situations where Rodgers looks at it and goes, the intention is not to throw to Watson here. However, (laughs) if he happens to get open. And and it was a very big play to Randall Cobb. And his job is to draw the corner and the safety away. Cobb kind of cuts out underneath the route. And as soon as he comes out of his break, you know, there, there's nobody there. Because again, Christian has got the safety and that outside corner pulled away from it. Randall Cobb comes up underneath it. He just needs to get enough separation from his guy, which, you know, Randall Cobb's going to be able to do that, especially when the timing is there and all that stuff. But, you know, it's just funny. It, it worked out perfectly. Watson did his job. He just used his speed to get down the field, push that safety back. It was a, a deep out, I guess you call it. I don't know. But um, you know, <laughs> it's one of those where it's like, we might have had a shot here. I mean, I don't know. Maybe, first of all it's really, really far. Second of all, maybe the safety could get there. But, you know, it's just funny, even on situations where you're not even thinking to throw to him, you could look back at that and go, I mean, it might have worked. I don't know. Sounds crazy, but it might have worked. I tell you what, if 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 and I'm, I'm not saying Watson will ever be Devontae, but if he had the trust level in Watson, or let's just put it this way if Devontae Adams was on this team and we just gave him Christian Watson speed, that ball would go to him 40 times in a game because he is, he might not be wide open all the time, but he's at the very least Devontae open every time, which is, you know, or, or Alan Lazard open, which is you're far enough that if I put the ball perfect, you can get it. I, I, I can't, maybe once. Maybe one time I watched Christian Watson actually run a route and go, eh, no, he didn't really get him there. And I think he was just being kind of physical at the line, couldn't quite get past him. And, you know, when a guy gets inside and kind of gets his hands on you, you can kind of slow your momentum all the way down the field. But, yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's weird that I'm so obsessed with... (laughs) I just, I just, I, I you know, it's funny because fans always want that speed. They want that Tyree kill And it. I even said, you know, that stuff never really works out. It very rarely pans out. You get a guy with four two speed and he sucks as a wide receiver, and then we get MVS and he's got this speed and it's like, but he's not open. And it's just you—you you, you very rarely find guys that just blow past people. And we got that guy now. And I'm sorry, I know I'm annoying that I keep talking about him, but I can't help it. I've always wanted a guy that just runs past people, and he runs past people, and that's freaking awesome. And then I'm gonna throw this in there because again, anytime Rogers. Echoes my sentiments. I'm just gonna sound like a genius. So here like go. where
0: we're at. You know, obviously I said we're gonna be a work in progress. We have been. There's been parts of games where we've really played well. Um, it's just that consistency and I feel like
1: Oh, it's that consistency, that's what you need. Don't worry, Rogers, I can take it from here. I forgot about Aaron Rodgers Book Club. I haven't I haven't really watched these things all the way through before. I forgot I I, I honestly didn't even know he was still doing it. But I think it's hilarious that he got nineteen eighty four George Orwell. <laughs> Did, uh, did he ever do, what the heck is that called? Fountainhead and then uh, what's the real popular one? Oh, Atlas Shrugged, has he done that one yet? Somebody has to have a list out there somewhere. Just trying to think of all the different books he could do to, just to really make people mad. Here we go, Sports Geekery, what do we got on here? The Alchemist, oh, The Art of War, that's a good one. Malcolm Gladwell stuff in here, I've, I think I read one of his. Welcome to Dunder Mifflin, that's interesting. November 30th, no new book recommendation, probably because he was at my birthday party. Doesn't look like it. Doesn't look like it. He's going he's gonna, to, sorry about that, break the ice with uh, 1984. But I'm. I, it's got to be coming, right? Maybe he'll, because it's like too on the radar, maybe he'll do like Fountainhead or something. I don't know. Anyways, I think that's all we got for the Rogers thing. Why don't we take a break? Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy if you'd like to support the podcast. FroGroundRanch.org. Love it if you consider supporting them. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. So I went back and read the rules for a catch. And I, I know I should just stop because it's, it's, it's a done deal. But I'm, I'm a little confused on this myself because everything is so freaking vague. And I'm trying to figure out one little stipulation here. Here is how the rule works for a catch. There are three steps. There's A, B, and C, and there's C1, C2, or C, A, C, B, whatever. Number one, secures control of the ball in his hands or arms prior to the ball touching the ground. Romeo Dobbs obviously did that. Touches the ground inbounds with both feet or any part of his body other than his hands. He did that. Here's the part, and again, I knew this, I said this, and this is the issue. You have to do one of two things. Perform any act common to the game. This is where you usually refer to it as you know, turn up field, take a step or whatever, or maintains control of the ball long enough to do so. So that was my understanding, and I'm like, nope, he didn't do any of those things. Here's where I get confused. And, uh, you know, I just wish somebody uh, would love it if somebody could demonstrate these things for me. Underperforms any act common to the game, it's not just turn up field and run. It's not take five steps. It's not any of that stuff. Here are the things. Turn up field is one. Take an additional step. He didn't do any of these, but I'm just I'm just listing them. Avoid or ward off an opponent. He didn't do that. Extend the ball forward. That's the Des Bryant thing. So if he were to have reached, that would be a act common to the game. But here's the other one. Tuck the ball away. Can somebody demonstrate to me what it looks like to tuck the ball away? Because I'm watching it right now as I speak. And Romeo Dobbs catches the ball. We'll do this in live time. He catches it over his left shoulder. He grabs it into his chest, right? He comes down one foot and two feet. And as he does that, he tucks the ball into his left arm. He then lunges forward, puts his right arm down, and then his left arm, which has the ball in it, contacts the ground, and then the ground comes out. So you're going to have to explain to me what it means to tuck the ball away if he didn't tuck the ball away. What could it possibly mean? Because, I'm I, again, my thought on this whole football act is you have to turn up field and take a couple steps. Let me read this to you again. Step one, secures control of the ball in his hands or arms prior to the ball touching the ground. He does that. Touches the ground, both feet or any part of his body does that. Performs any act common to the game, tuck the ball away, extend forward, take an additional step, turn up field or avoid or ward off an opponent or maintains control of the ball long enough to do so. He catches the ball, has two feet down and tucks the ball into his body with his right arm, and then goes to the ground. Can anybody explain what tucking the ball away means? Oh, wait, there's a video from the NFL. Let me watch that. Yeah, that video is stupid. Didn't tell me anything. Found some video from, like, 1994 that I can watch here. See what this one has to say.
0: One of the most important drills that a wide receiver can do for catching the ball <laughs> is that to catch and to tuck it away.
1: There you go. Tuck we it away. We have... Um, Two players here. I'll finish this without you. So, again, it's a stupid question because it seems obvious, and the way that this guy is describing it seems obvious. You catch it, and what do you do? You stick it, you know, in that little spot uh, on the opposite side of your elbow there, whatever the heck you call that. That's tucking it away. He did that. Now, if you watch the video, they don't say anything about that being part of the rule, but it's written down. So, yeah, I was 100%, and again, everybody, Matt LaFleur's like, that's stupid, I shouldn't have challenged it. Aaron Rodgers like, yeah, you didn't complete the catch. I'll, I'll grant you that, okay, that wasn't a catch, but I'm just reading the rule and I'm trying to understand. I don't know. I, I, I don't even want to go down this path, but I'm, I'm, I'm annoyed now because I don't understand that. So I would love for NFL officials, Matt LaFleur, anybody to kind of explain how, how he didn't tuck the ball on that play. Go back and look at it. He catches it, he tucks it in his arm for kind of a long time, and then he falls, and his, his arm that holds the ball, which is tucked, is staying there while his right arm reaches out to brace his fall, and then, you know, the ground breaks up the thing. I've explained this now 10 times, but I'm just... I saw somebody arguing that it was a catch, and I'm like, no, it's not, come on. And he's like, here's the rule, he clearly tucked it, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and I'm like, no. Well, there you go. I don't know. Somebody said that officially tucking means you become a runner, which is redundant because that's already part of the thing. But it doesn't matter. I'm not arguing that he caught it. I'm just saying that's a weird part of the rule that seems like something that he did, but I guess I don't know. All right. Um I'm not going to lie. I just got done doing Matt Ramage's uh thing, so I'm I'm kind of head spinning a little bit. What do we want to do next? You know what? I didn't uh I don't think we did this yet. Since today we did some clips with Aaron Rodgers on um, the Pat McAfee Show, I've got some other clips queued up. I forgot I even did this. I'm good at stuff. I was gonna come in here and do the clips of laughing at the enemy, but we'll save that for tomorrow. So this is post the game, comments from different people. Rodgers, Watson, LaFleur, Kenny, et cetera. Let's start with Watson, because it's, uh, you know, I don't know, because I say so. Hopefully it's loud enough.
0: Uh, I mean, Rand- Randall's the standard, uh, the standard around here. Um, you know, I know that, you know, regardless of if, if his number is called, he's going to make the play. I um, mean, you know, I think we see it see it every single week uh, when his number is called, um, he comes through and I mean, that's, that's the standard. That's, you know, the you know, the point we're all trying to get to in that receiver room. Um, you know, we know he's been doing it a long time and, and, you know, he's really good at it.
1: So again, that kind of reiterates what, uh, what Aaron Rodgers was talking about as far as Randall Cobb. So obviously he is, he's like the main, mentor right they've got a wide receivers coach that's teaching them all this stuff but Randall Cobb is that that main intermediary between Aaron Rodgers and um and and the wide receivers as far as Rodgers saying here's what I need them to be able to do and Randall Cobb doing Randall doing wide receiver speak saying guys this is this is the thing and then going back into the into the room and you know relaying all that stuff and and it's just good to hear that you've got the rookies on board with it, saying he's our guy. This is this is who we go to. It's not like this is the old dude. He's old news, you know. We're we're no, it's none of that. He, he is light years ahead of us, and um, we better listen when he speaks. This was a uh, a clip from Kenny Clark, which I appreciated because not only does he acknowledge that there were issues, but has no issue whatsoever in saying they're going to get it fixed immediately. Which again, have, having gone back and looked at it. Um, this was an abdication, right? This is a rare, unusual thing that we shouldn't expect week to week. But here's Kenny Clark talking about it. Go on the next one. Well, wow. Going back to the, going back to, that run, to the run
0: game defense, is it, is it like there's just like one or two things that could be fixed, or is it something a big picture, like you just have to get through it? What was the issue there? Uh, it's so a little bit, of, a little bit of everything. Um, you know, you know, we gotta, we gotta play better technique. Uh, we gotta, we gotta play. We gotta be. Uh, you know, better situationally. You know, we got to be, we got to be better in our alignments and, and wherever we lining up. Uh, you know, just it's a little bit of everything. So, uh, none that we can't fix. Um, you know, this is something that we can we can fix. But is it something that can be fixed in a week? Yeah, we will be able to fix. It.
1: <laughs> That's my favorite part, right? Because before that, it's all just general. Like any team, any player doesn't matter if they're any good or have any ability whatsoever. Um, They're like, yeah, you know, we got to do a better job with our alignments and this and that and the other thing, you know, we got to do that. And she says, well, is that something you can fix in a week? And he's like, yeah, we'll get it fixed in a week. No problem. (laughs) I love that. Um, Speaking of Romeo Dobbs, um, again, the reason why I'm accepting that it is uh, not catch is largely because of Matt LaFleur having gone back and looked at it and was like, that was stupid. I shouldn't have done that. Here's him talking about the catch. At Aaron said he thought you were probably
0: kicking yourself over that challenge. Yeah, I'm
1: not, I'm not too proud of that moment. Uh, that was an emotional
0: decision, and it, I think it's a great learning lesson that, y- you know, you, you can never make those emotional decisions in the heat of the battle. You know better. I mean, you've got to survive the ground. Uh, Connor Lewis, he's up in my ear. Uh, he's up in the box, and he's in my ear, and he's he, he said, I don't think so. And... Um, he said he that we shouldn't challenge it and just made it an emotional decision and it was almost like throwing a hail mary and that that could have came back and, and bit us in the butt and you know but again I'd rather learn from that being on this side thank God our our guys bailed me out in, in that regard but um, definitely the worst decision of the day by me
1: so there you have it <laughs> Matt Lafleur is not interested in. Uh... Any tucking nonsense, bringing it back to what I originally had said, which is you know you got to survive the ground or whatever. So, and then um, a bunch of clips that I like from Aaron Rodgers. I noticed it seems like he's he's doing these a lot longer. I don't know. It seemed like there was a stretch where he'd go to the podium and he was just miserable and he was angry and he did not want to talk to people and um, his answers were very coach speaky. And now it just seems like he's he's like let's do this for a long time. You know, I really hate when I think of an office quote, a the office quote. And then, you know, you can't just find it on YouTube. And in my mind, it's like, oh, that's obviously a very common quote. And it's like, no, not. It's just that you know every word of that show. But then it's like, all right, I got to find the episode. And then I got to go watch the episode. And then I got to go clip it. I'll spare you. But it's, I wanted to do it. You know, when Andy was at the, uh, the party before Pam and Jim's wedding, and he tears a part of his body, and she calls Jim to take him to the hospital, and he's out drinking. She's like, are you trying to push me off the phone? He's like, no, we should talk for a long time. <laughs> I love that. But um, here, here's the first thing, Aaron Rodgers kind of talking about the situation. Um, you know, not very humbly, but somewhat kind of accepts that uh, maybe not his best performance. What do you kind of say to yourself in the locker after, after the first half you had? I mean, what, what goes through your mind? What do you kind of say to yourself at that? It's clearly you turned it around from that point forward. Well,
0: I've been a great player for a long time, so... Not a whole lot I need to tell
1: myself. Uh, just play better. So, <laughs> I don't know. It, it's funny because he, he starts off just sounding super arrogant and like, I've been a great player a long time. I don't need to tell myself anything. And then just chuckles to himself about how he kind of he kind of sucked a little bit. Um, here was a clip about taking responsibility for Christian Watson, which I didn't expect because, again, I thought he didn't track the ball super well, but here it is. Yes.
0: Oh, what was the cat and mouse you were going with um, between how they were playing, at least their safeties, and you would? Take
1: it's also a little bit of an elaboration on the Patriots um, and some of the stuff they were doing.
0: Take a deep shot every once in a while. Were they running their safety down? Were you getting one on ones? What was the reason? They were funneling a lot to the, to the middle, so we needed to take some shots on the outside, much like last week when we stalled against man coverage. A lot of the opportunities are outside the numbers so we need to take some shots down the field uh, had some opportunities i threw christian on one uh, obviously romeo had a chance to uh, take that one all the way to the ground and then had a couple others where we just you know we're a little bit off but we need to take some shots and we're going to t- continue to take some shots if we're going to see a lot of man
1: so I'm so glad he said this because I was watching back this game and that was my exact thought. The Patriots did a really good job. One of the things I've said about Christian is when they put him in motion, everybody shifts, everybody reacts. What they did to counter that is they just put guys in man coverage. And so they would send Christian Watson and then they would run the ball, but the linebackers would be right in position and they would come in and they'd just clean up. So what we would need to do in that situation is say, if you really want to play this game and go to man-to-man, you have to make him pay. Because otherwise, teams are going to say, they're never going to give him the ball, aside from like these occasional jet sweeps. Which, by the way, if you don't want to send him down the field because it's man-to-man, you can do that. Because that was what the touchdown was. That touchdown play was man-to-man coverage, and he beat him to the outside. Romeo Dobbs came in and, and threw a little block at that guy who was in man coverage. But those are the kinds of things where it's like, if you're going to be in man coverage, you're going to have to chase him down the field, or or anybody else for that matter. you got to make people pay for playing man coverage. Then when they back off man coverage, that's when you can start going back to these other kinds of things, what, you know, whether it be through the passing game, beating you know, zone, or just with running the ball. Again, you send guys in, in, in motion, everybody has to shift, then you're able to pull your linebackers to get them up to reach the linebackers, and, and then you can run, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So you know, that, that was him. You know, Obviously, this is basic stuff for them. They understand all this. It's just a matter of execution. They tried to take a shot to Christian Watson, Elton Jenkins got beat, and Rodgers got hit. They tried to take a shot to Christian Watson, and it was a bad throw, slash whatever Watson was doing. They tried to take a shot to Dobbs, and he dropped the ball. So it really, and and the good thing about it is, I think the Packers have had a problem with this for a while. When when they play, I mean, this goes all the way back to that Denver Broncos game, back in whatever, that I think I talked about in this very episode. When the undefeated Packers went up against the undefeated Broncos, and the Broncos just decided, we're not going to play scared of you. I know you got a great quarterback. I know you got great wide receivers, and everybody plays off and scared. We're going to get in your face. We're going to jam you up, and we're going to play man. And the Packers didn't have an answer for that. And that's been haunting them, I think, ever since. Not that they haven't somewhat recovered, but that's been kind of a thorn. And I, I really think we have guys to, to hurt that right now, especially guys like Dobbs and Watson. You know, you see Alan Lazard, and there's been two times now that I can think of this year where they've been able to hit just perfect pinpoint passes to Lazard, who really has no separation, but still kind of beats his guy down the field just enough for Rodgers to throw that ball exactly where it needs to be and get a big completion. They've done it a couple times with, with Randall Cobb. Again, That the big plays to Randall, they're all man-covered. And again, it's you send Christian Watson down the field to not only carry away his corner, but to clear out the, the safety, and then Randall just has to beat his one guy. He cuts. The timing is perfect. As soon as he cuts, he gets that that little bit of separation. The ball's right there. You catch it, go out of bounds. Big play. So we we have those things, but you add in the dynamic of speed and, and athleticism of Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson, and I think that this can be an absolute man killer of a of an offense. And once you become that, everybody wants to play zone, and then you can kind of really open things up. But if if they're going to play man, and you don't have guys that can beat it, I mean, there's always things you can do with you know scheming guys open or whatever, but. The point is, when, when they start doing it, you got to hurt them. And then when they go to the zone, you hurt them for that. It, it, it really needs to be a, a, a damned-if-you-do, damned-if-you-don't situation. No matter what you do, we're going to punish you for doing it and make you say, Nope, we got to do something else until there's just like, well, it, it just doesn't matter. Um, here's some Romeo Dobbs comments. Yeah,
0: that was not a good throw. Nice catch by him almost wish he dropped it.
1: This was the first throw that he ended up fumbling, he's talking about, obviously.
0: Uh, but I actually kind of screwed up. That one in my head uh, when, I was, when I was calling it and tried to adjust, adjust it, actually made the right adjustment, but threw the ball much more inside than I wanted. Uh, he just, you know, he needs to uh, just take the ball to the ground. You know, that, we know that team is real good at punching the ball out. But look, Romeo's growing, he's making some plays. Hit him twice in that last drive, so obviously I have confidence in him. Went to him on the key third down with two minutes left in the game. So I'm not going to lose confidence in him. Obviously, we'll hold him accountable, but he's a great kid. And that's where a third down back shoulder fade to him for a touchdown. Let's say I got some confidence in him.
1: Again, I just every time he talks about, especially Romeo, but, but anytime he talks about these guys, because we've heard him lay into guys that he's not happy with. He, he's not going to mince words and he's not going to lie. Now, maybe you could say, well, that's not true because they have to play. So maybe he has to. I don't think so. I don't think Rodgers has it in him to to just flat-out lie to try to build guys up. Um, I think if they're really having a, a, a hard time, he's 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 going to be impatient with them. And at the very least, he's just going to have very measured comments and basically say nothing. But he's he's has no issue opening up and, and being glowing, especially toward Dobbs. But even will turn the attention, as we heard on the Pat McAfee show, when talking about Dobbs to Christian. And say, oh, I think he can be special as well. So, um, you know, the, the biggest thing is we need more consistency. And from his standpoint, we need to be patient because they're growing. And I I believe that. I really do. You know, I, I was just, um, like I said, I was, I was doing the Matt Ramage show and um, somebody in the comments had mentioned how the Packers have like the second or third most explosive plays or whatever in the NFL, which again is weird because the Packers also, I think Aaron Rodgers has the most throws behind the line of scrimmage. So it's, it's really weird, but that's a big deal because the Packers haven't been good at that. You know, Aaron Rodgers has had a hard they've always wanted it going back to Mike McCarthy, and they just struggled to really push the ball down the field. And then running the ball last year, they were one of the worst teams as far as explosive plays running the ball. The fact that this is this this is a majorly underreported story. I mean, it just seems like kind of a, a nice little thing, but the point is this is one of the more dynamic and explosive offenses we've had. But nobody seems to really notice because they're, they're not consistent. And so it's, it's like bottle rockets. You know, it's just, it, it flares up and pops and then it just goes away. But if you can maintain this level of consistency, whereas in the past it just didn't exist. They had consistency, they didn't has, have explosiveness. You had Devonte Adams. Of course you have consistency when you have Devonte Adams. But you're also limited in terms of what you're able to do. And right now I don't think we are. We're running the ball better than we have, I don't know when. I mean, I, I i I cannot express to you how much better we're running. Maybe I don't have to, but I, it's just it's not being talked about. And I, I think it's it's an element of people not wanting to say that we haven't always been this good. It's sort of like see I told you. no, it's this isn't a see I told you where This is significantly better, especially when you're talking about Aaron Jones. But the blocking seems to be significantly better. Aaron Jones playing is playing significantly better dylan, it's it's hard to say, especially when as I said before, He's, you know, 50% of his snaps, there's eight men in the box. Aaron Jones, there's there's never been a guy in the box, which is weird. So you're comparing apples and oranges between the two. But the point is, if you add that element of consistency, which they don't have right now, you now have a team that looks closer to the Bills than what we had before. And I'm not even necessarily saying that's a good thing because, you know, the, the Bills are, are, have got their own issues in terms of inconsistency. And that's what causes them to not make it to the to the Super Bowl. They'll They'll trash a team 50 to 14 but then just flop out of, the, out of the playoff. But what I'm saying is I think they have that element. They have the quarterback. They have the talent at wide receiver. I mean, one of the biggest things that they added was Stephon Diggs, and Stephon Diggs was a major speed element and, and, and a deep shot element, and they were able to add that in the run game and all these other little things. And I think the Packers have it. They just they don't have it as a well-oiled machine like they used to. So it's, it's almost a completely 180 different team, whereas before they had a well-oiled machine that didn't have a lot of horsepower. Now we have a massive amount of horsepower. I don't know. I don't know enough about engines to to complete the analogy, but it in it, It's not firing. You know, not firing on all cylinders. I guess you just. It's. I mean, it's lame, but it it kind of works. That's how I see this right now, and I I can't promise you that it's gonna take off. I'm just telling you that's what it is. We are a much more explosive team than we've been in the past. We just need that element of consistency. You know, getting getting. Getting Rodgers and these guys into a better rhythm, and when you do that, everything builds off of everything else. It's the same thing I said about defense in terms of when your defensive line is playing better, it helps the linebackers, and if if the pass rush is there, it helps the corners, and the corners help the safeties, and the safeties help the linebackers, and that 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 that, that. everything builds off of everything else. It's the same with this. You know, if you, if you're able to do this one thing, it helps that thing. So it's exactly what I just said about man coverage. You know, if. The the Saints were or the the Saints the Patriots were able to neutralize the whole motion thing because we couldn't win in man coverage because of those little errors because of a drop because of a bad throw because of a but if the consistency is there if that if that element is there of just being able to connect then you take them out of that thing that's working you need to force them out of it and we're just struggling to get to that point right now. But the reason teams can get up to 40, 50 points is because they score on every drive. And they score on every drive because if you play zone, we're going to crush you with this. If you play man, we're going to crush you with this. There is no winning here. I think we have that element. It's just they're, they're quite a ways away. The problem is they're, they're kind of far away from that element of being consistent enough to, to make it work all the time. But it is there. So holding out hope. But anyways, here's Rodgers on the question of is this level of play sustainable? And again, Rodgers and Lafleur were both asked this. You can tell they didn't like the question and they uh, tried to kind of skirt it a little bit, but at the end of the day, the the answer is the answer.
0: Sustainable? I think winning is sustainable for sure. I think we're going to have to play a little bit better against starting quarterbacks and if our defense isn't playing as well as they can. I thought their line, you know, seemed to open up some holes, and they kind of kept with some of that outside zone stretch stuff and some and some, uh, some lead, but if we just get into a rhythm and start a little bit faster, we can alleviate some of the things. That's why I felt like we scored to make it 7-3. I'm thinking, we get this, this the two scores. Now they're one-dimensional. Now our pass rush is getting after them. So this way of winning, I don't think is sustainable because it's just puts too much pressure on our defense, and... And uh, obviously, I got to play better and will play better. But the second half is, is our kind of football where we're mixing it up. We're throwing the ball outside the numbers. Obviously, we ran the ball, controlled line scrimmage really well. But we got to play better in all three
1: phases. That- so again, he, the, the initial, he didn't like the question. So I was like, yeah, I think winning is sustainable, whatever. But it, as he kind of got into it, what did he say? Essentially, no, this level of play is not sustainable. What we're doing right now is not sustainable. However, and again, he even talked about how the, you know, this helps that. The offense also helps the defense. For exactly, you know, my biggest concern about this game was their ability to run the ball. My biggest concern next week is Saquon Barkley and the and the Giants running back who is who's you know the the next coming of Barry Sanders all of a sudden. Um, but you know what? They can't lean on the run as much if you run up the score. So yeah, the offense helps. The defense. And the defense, likewise, is going to help the offense. Because what you're trying to do is is get to a lead. A lead is a point differential. How much more points we have compared to the points they have. So if our defense prevents them from scoring and then we score, we're up seven. If we prevent them again and then score again, we're up 14. There's a differential there. But it takes both sides. It does, You know, the, the offense can score every drive, but if the other team scores every drive too, we're not getting that lead and it's not helping anybody. But we do need that because that's when our defense really thrives. That's when you really see the full force of this of this team because we're we're built on good DBs and real scary pass rush, right? If you have to drive, it's, why, it's funny because it's the exact opposite of what we used to have with Dom Capers. I, I used to say, give me a, sec, a third and two over a third and 10. Give me a third and two over a third and 20. Because for whatever reason, if you get third and long, they're going to convert it 100% of the time. It was the weirdest thing in the world. I hated it. Why? Because we had no pass rush. We had Nick Perry and Clay Matthews, and Clay was way over the hill, and Nick Perry was one of the worst pass rushers I'd ever seen. There was no pass rush, so the quarterback sat in the pocket all day long. And, you know, we had, you know, Ladarius Gunter or whatever else we had going on, you know, Randall, and, jeez, I don't even know. But, you know, that was when they were going to find success. But if it was third and two, we had a shot. You know, we had Mike Daniels in there. We we had some some guys that could maybe have a shot at stopping it. This is the opposite. Third and two, just give him the first down, let's try again. Third and 10, they're doomed. In fact, somebody just posted a stat. Um, They're already taking the blame for if this gets jinxed, so it's not my fault. You can blame him. But uh, I think it was Zach Cruz posted it. Um, It was, I don't remember what it is. Third and eight, I think? Not a single one has been completed against the Packers. I got to find it. Here we go. By the way, again, he's he's taking full blame for this, so I don't want to hear anything from you about me blank, uh, jinxing this. He already did it. He says, I know you'll all come after me for jinxing it, but the Packers haven't allowed a third down conversion of more than eight yards this season. Opponents are zero for 21 on third and eight or worse through four games. Zero for 21. So again, this is it, man. this This is what they do well. But again, it's the same as the offense. There's that one thing that you do well. How do you capitalize on that? You have to be able to stop the run. You cannot get yourself into those third and eight situations if you give up five yards per carry. Everything builds off of everything else. Figure out the run. Get it. This, this is what Dom Capers knew. Unfortunately, he couldn't execute third and long. It was all about get him into third and long, but then when you get into third and long, it's like, okay, well, now what? Well, I don't know. You can't really do anything about it, but, I mean, it's a good thought, right? It's like, yeah, you got it, man. Anyways, look, um, It's it's... <laughs> I hate to just regurgitate everything I said to Matt, but to me, what it feels like, if I were to just convey to you how I feel about the season right now, it's very much like that, that action movie or that horror movie where you're trying to get the car to turn over before this horrible thing happens, right? Somebody's coming. They got a chainsaw. They got a knife. They got a gun. The train is barreling down the tracks and the car's stuck on the tracks and we're trying to get the car to turn over. So far, we're doing good because we're winning, and that's that's an important step, because if you're losing, eventually the train's going to hit you, i.e. you're not going to make the playoffs, right? But as far as I'm concerned, let's just assume we get into the playoffs. At that point, either the car gets turned over, or we're going to get just absolutely railroaded, slash, slashed, slash, shot, slash, you know, turned into a human suit, lampshade, I don't know. Depends on the movie, man. I, I don't make the movies. Ed Gein did. Um... So right now, as long as we're winning, you know, that it, it's kind of like the uh, the bad guy, the axe murderer doesn't see us yet. Although I don't know why he can't hear the car getting turned over. Maybe he's in the house and he's got headphones in, you know, with his Jason mask on. He's like, he, he can't hear the car starting, but it's like, we got to get this thing going. Here. Or maybe it's like, you know, in the, in the movie where you're, you're trying to like cut the rope, you know, and you're trying to hurry up and they're, they don't hear it yet. As long as we win, they can't hear us. We get, another, we get another little reprieve. But as soon as we lose, he's kind of hearing stuff. Like, what was that? Sound like a rope thread going ping. That's what I heard. Who did that? Where did that come from? You lose too many games, and it's, you know, you get the idea. It's very appropriate, by the way, bringing up this whole horror horror thing, you know, in October. But anyways, I'm sure the Packers will figure it out, and we don't need to worry. There's no, you know, boogeyman coming. There's none of that going on. Um, They'll get it figured out. But... Maybe hurry up a little bit. Just saying. Never know. Creepy stuff. Anyways, you guys have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye bye.